And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me in the studio today is Dr. John Vance, former pastor of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Rock Tavern. John, it's great to have you here today. Oh, it's great to be here. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Um, you know, in the news lately, there's been some discussion about uh, the God of Islam. Uh, and is the God of Islam the same as the God of the Bible? Uh, or as Christians would say, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, so that's uh, one thing that's been floating around and being debated in the online forums and that sort of thing. Uh, another issue that very recently came up, somewhat tied to this, was the Wheaton College incident and the um, professor there that is identifying herself increasingly with the Islam and wearing the hijab and that sort of thing. So that's on the table today to discuss and to try to take a deep dive into particularly the subject of, is the God of Islam the same as the God of the Bible? The issue is an important one, of course, and it was kicked off recently by the uh, matter that took place at Wheaton College in Wheaton, Illinois. I think uh, most Christians out there, particularly if you're evangelical, would know of Wheaton College. It's often being called the Harvard of uh, Christian colleges, and it is a fine academic institution, has wonderful resources, and the Billy Graham Center is there. and So that is an important uh, institution, and of course, this uh, matter arose with one of the professors there, uh, uh, Miss Hawkins, who decided to begin to wear a hijab. And that wasn't really the the uh, matter that sparked the controversy, though. She wore a hijab to show her solidarity with Muslims. And of course, uh, we're in solidarity with all of humanity. There's a certain human level. Uh, where we all share the same thing. We're human beings. We live in the same world. And so Wheaton College really didn't have any problem with what she wore. Uh, they had more of a problem with what she said on her Facebook in mm-hmm. December 10th in 2015, when which she uh, said that uh, uh, Christians and Muslims worship the same God. <laughs> After all, we are people of the book, as she said. And... Uh, she quoted that from the Muslim scriptures. There's a phrase in, in the, the Muslim religion in the, in the Quran, of course, where you find that we are called people of the book, Jews and Christians. Yeah. And so she used that phrase. The problem is Christians do not reciprocate and use that about Muslims because we don't share the same book. They no. have the Quran, and uh, uh, we don't share that. Uh, they ostensibly share the Old Testament and New Testament with us, but... In a sense, that's not true either, because their version of the Old and New Testament is different. It's the stories uh, that Muhammad told or recorded in the Quran. That's their version of the Old Testament. They think Jews and Christians corrupted their scriptures. So that began to set forth some real problems for Wheaton College. Mm -hmm. I can imagine. So if we take our Old Testament and New Testament, even though they they call us uh, the people of the book, um, they don't agree with really what's written. If I if I get my Bible here, 
it's um, they're not in agreement with it. Not in agreement with it. Some hmm. of the many of the stories will be the same, of course. Uh, some of the lineages they they accept uh, as prophets Abraham, of course, mm-hmm. uh, Isaac and Jacob and Moses and Jesus. They they think they're great prophets, mm. but uh, they understand them differently than you would find in the canonical scriptures. It's really clearly different. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Jesus, of course, is not the Son of God or God in human flesh. He is a prophet, and in fact, it is a serious, serious crime, not just a heresy, but a crime in Islam uh, to proclaim that Jesus is God in human flesh. A Muslim could never subscribe to that. Yeah, sure. Uh, that would be apostasy. Yeah. That would be uh, called kafir or unbeliever. You know, one of the things I failed to mention in starting and opening today was the fact that besides being a pastor, you also taught at the college level at one of the Sunni schools, uh, world religion and philosophy. So you've had occasion to do a pretty deep dive into some of the literature and background of, of the Muslim faith. And and as I understand, you've read some of the original writings that have been translated and uh the Quran is hard to read, I've heard. The Quran is very hard to read. Mm. Uh, I've, I've attempted it many times and read, probably read all of it at one time or another, but it's difficult to read. It's not like the Old Testament or the New Testament. It's not like our Bible that mm-hmm. you just pick up and start reading. It has no regard for history, and these are just sayings that were revealed to Muhammad, and he gave them without context. Uh, uh, we can basically figure out what took place at Mecca and what took place in Medina. And so we can get a, a some context, but it's very difficult to get a context. Mm-hmm. It's also very difficult to read. You will hear Muslims uh, proclaim that the Quran is the most beautiful book uh, of all. Uh, and if you could read it in Arabic, they tell us that it's beautiful. But uh, the truth is, uh, that is because of the esteem they have for it, not because of its literary virtue. Okay, yeah. So um, today we're talking about, is the God of Islam the same as the God of the Bible? What's next as we peel the layers of the onion here, as they say? Well, th- that's an interesting discussion. It could only really take place in the modern world. It probably has been a live issue maybe in two different periods in human history since Islam arose. Early on, mm-hmm. it was very difficult to distinguish Muslims from other monotheists. As a matter of fact, oh, some yes. Christians did think that, well, that uh, Muhammad uh, was a false prophet, but that it was a, a Christian uh, sect of some sort that was okay. heretical. They begin to view him that way, and many Jews did the same thing, that he had just simply corrupted Judaism. And so they couldn't distinguish that. As a matter of fact, uh, early on, probably many Christians and Jews maybe even have joined the Muslim community hmm. as simply believers in the one God. Yeah. And it was only later that they began to figure out that we're not worshiping the same God. Not the same God. <laughs> and then in the modern period, of course, in the ecumenical period, uh, we have... Uh, particularly from the missionary side, we've had missionaries to come back. And since in the uh, in the uh, Muslim countries, the word for God is Allah, it's just a generic term. Mm-hmm. Christians worship Allah, and 
Muslims worship Allah, but it's the content that is different. And I so see. that is the difference. In the Christian understanding that's supported by the Old and New Testament, um, we do believe in one God. We're monotheistic. And at the same time, um, the scriptures teach that he's three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, does the Muslim faith have anything like that? Oh, not at all. Uh, <laughs> uh, they have a, a doctrine of the oneness of God, and that oneness is is uh, single. It, they have no conception of the Trinity. When they th- hear us talking about the Trinity, think of three gods, or that you are taking the one God, Allah, and associating others with him, like Jesus, for instance. Mm-hmm. If you associate Jesus with Islam, uh, you have committed a, a grave sin. Mm-hmm. It's called mushurkin. You so are unbelievers. Oh, yes. You, you've <laughs> made an association with Islam, okay. uh, the, the God of Islam, that is not right. And so, therefore, uh, Christians and Jews both were slaughtered at certain points mm-hmm. in Islamic history. Uh, other points, they were not. They were tolerated. And, yes. and for many times, they were tolerated, and sometimes they were not. But make no mistake, it was a serious uh, it, it, it was like committing a capital crime mm-hmm. to have this kind of thing exhibit itself in Islamic society. It's interesting. The, um, I'm taking a rabbit trail here, maybe, but um, the persecution that exists um, varies a great deal. Uh, um, the other day I was talking with Canon Andrew White, uh, who had been in Iraq. Now he's had to flee to Jordan. Um and he he told us that under Saddam Hussein, there was a fair amount of freedom. Uh, you you weren't afraid for your life, and I'm thinking probably the the Muslims called the Christians people of the book and kind of let let them be. But by contrast, ISIS, which is I, as I understand it, very consistent with Muhammad, um, wants to chop your head off. <laughs> and so there seems to be varying degrees of of maybe sincerity of the faith or how it's worked out or their understanding. Um, it's just an observation. I, I don't know much about it. but Well, you, you've made a keen observation. Uh, that is true. Uh, there are some very tolerant Islamic societies at different yeah. times in history. Uh, Jews were probably treated in some countries in the Middle Ages. They were probably treated better in Muslim countries than they were in some Christian countries, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. to our shame. That's right. Uh, but overall, uh, in Islam, there is an intolerance built into the fabric, the warp and woof of, this, of the religion. At the core, in At other the words. core. It's yes. part of it. It's just part of it. Mm-hmm. That's not true with Judaism and Christianity, though they've been intolerant at many times. Sure. But you don't – it's not required of you. No. Uh, in Islam, you were not to associate with unbelievers. Okay. Well, I have Jew, uh, Jewish friends. Uh, I could have Muslim friends. I could have sure. any kind of friend, uh, acquaintance, and discussion because we share the same humanity. But there is that sense in Islam that it's us, the Ummah, the people uh, that belong to Allah, and everybody else. Hmm. And everybody else is a second-class citizen until you become a Muslim. Mm-hmm. Today we're talking with Dr. John Vance about uh, the rather popular topic is the God of Islam the same as the God of the Bible and we've been starting to as I say uh, peel the onion the layers of the onion um, 
what's next as we consider this subject, as we do a, a deeper dive here? Well, the, the, basic, the basic belief system in uh, Islam is, is uh, found in a creedal statement, the Shahada. And the Shahada, of course, you've heard many times, no doubt, there is no God except Allah, and Muhammad is the apostle of God. And that is the basic creed. And what that means is that uh, Allah is understood in relation to Muhammad as the only and last prophet, the greatest and last prophet of God. You know, I wanted to ask you about that, because um, historically, when people make fun of Muhammad, and a Muslim hears that, it's very offensive to the Muslim, and in fact, sometimes you might even have to give your life for taking that misstep. Um, It almost has the feel that Muhammad is raised up to such a level that um, he's extremely holy or something. Well, he's the perfect man, the paragon for everyone to follow. He was the the, uh, pluperfect believer. That is more than perfect. Uh, And therefore, uh, everything he did was right. mm -hmm. He was rightly guided. And so, therefore, he's an example to be followed. And the more dedicated a Muslim gets, the more they will follow Muhammad. And in my opinion, the more dangerous they get. I think you're right there, because as we've tried to learn a little bit about ISIS, the thing that comes out, you know, we talked the other day with John Van Til, um, was that um, ISIS is, is being very consistent with the teachings of Muhammad. Well, they're much more than what our president understands. I'm afraid That so. is for sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I, he... he must be a Muslim scholar the way he talks and he assures us and so is the mayor of Philadelphia I guess who got on mm-hmm. television assured us that this had, that the recent attack in Philadelphia on the policeman had nothing mm. to do with Islam. That was shocking. I actually saw the footage. Many of us did. And this guy comes out dressed in, in his garb, in his religious garb just shooting this police officer up. It was shocking. Uh, uh, surely it was. Oh. I saw the footage myself. And then for, for these guys to stand up and say, oh, it has nothing to do with, you know, Islam. And and they say, well, it has to do with the perverted form of Islam. Well, uh, it seems to me that if you go back and compare with what Muhammad taught, what he, quote, revealed, mm. and the way he lived— uh, I would say that ISIS is emulating him much more uh, than right. many modern Muslims in the United States who are moderate and so forth, or yeah. or Muslims in Indonesia who have a record of being moderate and so forth. But the truth is, the more that uh, uh, people follow Muhammad to the letter of the law, uh, it seems to me the more they're apt to join a group like ISIS or someone else. Seems that way. Now let's talk a little more about the God of Islam and contrast that God with the triune God. Um, in, in the Christian understanding, and this flows from Old Testament as well, God is a God of grace and, and man is sinful. And so God um, provides a way whereby sinful mankind can become redeemed. He can, he can have his sins paid for by the Redeemer. Uh, whether that was a picture of what was to come, you know, the shedding of blood and putting the blood on the lentils of the doorposts, 
or whether that was in complete fulfillment now that Christ has come and him bearing the sins of his people. This is a very gracious God. Yes, he has wrath, and yes, he will judge, but he judges his son on the cross, and Jesus carries the sins of his people and dies. But uh, here's a God that is gracious in his in his dealings with his people. Um, what do we find in Islam? You don't find the same thing, of course. Uh, the big difference between uh, Allah, as Muslims understand Allah, and the God of the Scriptures has to do with Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is the dividing point. Uh, in Islam, you can't call God Father. That is a no-no. He is hmm. not understood to be Father. We're not really even created in the image of God, unlike the Wheaton Professor seems to indicate, because there can be no one in the image of God. God is unique, okay. and there's nothing like him. Simply because we are creatures of his does not mean we're in his image. So there are two fundamental doctrines to begin with, apart even from Christ, that's very important. God is not to be called Father, and God also uh, has no one in his image because he is unique. Well, in Christian theology, we call God Father because he is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, but he's also our father by adoption. <laughs> and that image in itself bespeaks of mercy and grace, does it not? It does. Particularly if you had a good earthly father and you've experienced mercy and grace, you might have experienced a little judgment too, but you knew that underneath you uh, was support and love. As the right. Scripture says, underneath are the everlasting arms of God. Mm. So the fatherhood of God is an important doctrine. It conveys very much... Uh, in the way of mercy and grace. Mm. And the second thing is, of course, uh, about uh, our differences is that we are in the image of God. We can have a relationship with any person who's in the image of God, and we must treat them as one who is created in God's image. And, And that is a good thing. I have no problem with this woman wearing the hijab in solidarity with someone, but when she begins to enter into the theological realm and does not see the distinctions or differences, that's where the problem is, and that's why Wheaton College has such a problem with her. Oh, it has sure. nothing to do with her wearing the hijab. It has to do with, with her views of God. But the most important thing and the difference is Jesus Christ. It is. Uh, it's very important for Christians to understand that we do not get our understanding of God from nature or necessarily from reason. Mm-hmm. Now, those are important aspects to function in the world, of course. But let's just just for a moment think, what kind of God could you come up with just using your reason and looking out at nature? He'd be no bigger than me. <laughs> uh, you, you don't know what you would get. Now, you might figure out Thomas Aquinas uh, was famous for saying that if you're a real good philosopher and thinker, you might come to the conclusion through philosophy that God is one. But that's no sure thing. Mm-mm. Uh, And besides that, there is a oneness in Vedanta Hinduism. (laughs) There is a oneness in Islam. There is a oneness in many religions. As a matter of fact, there was a kind of one monotheism in the Arabian Peninsula before Muhammad. It's it's, uh, called Hanafism. And he may have picked up his from some of that and from Christianity and from Judaism. (laughs) 
But you may figure that out, but it doesn't tell you anything about God. It could be Aristotle's God, who is just simply the first cause of all things, or the first principle. Mm-hmm. So reason and nature do not tell us who God is. The Bible tells us who God is, and the Bible has revealed that God is Jesus Christ. So how do we get our understanding of God? I understand who God is through the person of Jesus Christ. What is he like? What did he do? And there's no God behind Jesus, in front of him, or anything else. He reveals God. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's right. So my whole understanding of God is based on my faith in Jesus Christ as revealed in the Scriptures. Now, that's going to be entirely different than the Muslim's understanding of God, where you can't call God Father, or we're not creating God's image, or that you are to treat your enemies terribly. Mm. We just simply don't have that kind of God. Jesus told us something different about our enemies, didn't he? Oh, my goodness, yes. you got to love your enemies. So we are different. It's different. Oneness in itself does not mean we worship the same God. Now, that doesn't mean that modern scholarship is not trying to say that Jews, Christians, and Muslims worship the same God. Uh, When I was teaching in college, uh, all the textbooks that I used, uh, all of them talked about, when they began to talk about about certain religions, they called the Abrahamic faith, the Mm -hmm. monotheistic faith. Mm -hmm. And the insinuation was that they were all the same. Oh, sure. Now, I do believe you can talk about the Judeo-Christian tradition, but you cannot talk about the Judeo-Christian Muslim tradition. That's a good point. Very good distinction. Uh, we share a lot with uh, Jewish people because we share the same Bible in the Old Testament. We really do. And we don't with Muslims. And they have a picture of God that's very similar to ours. As a matter of fact, mm-hmm. uh, Yahweh, in the course of time, sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Yeah. And the second thing about that distinguishes us from Muslims is the way of salvation. You were alluding to that. Uh and the way of salvation is that Jesus Christ, being God, came into this world to seek and to save the lost. Yeah. And in that mission, he dies on the cross and pays the price of our sins. And it is by grace through faith and that not of ourselves that we are received into the kingdom of God and saved. Now, this is different than in Islam, where uh, it all depends on your works and your righteousness. You know what a gracious thing it is, considering the fact that um, I'm dead in my trespasses and sins, and um, dead men don't choose God. <laughs> oh, I was lost, but now I'm found. Oh, my, yeah. And uh, he found me, yes. yeah. I love him because he first loved me. <laughs> yeah. And so, so there are differences, and to conflate the two is to do an injustice to Christianity and to Islam. That's a good point, too. Yeah, yeah, it's, a, it's an injustice to Islam itself. Oh, sure, it's it's, it's not the same. Uh, just because you have oneness does not mean that you're worshiping the same God or thing. Uh, and to get your God from nature, uh, uh, as some are suggesting, that, well, if we understand that oneness through nature or reason, that mm-hmm. means we are sharing the same God. No, it doesn't doesn't go far enough. There's a dying need in America to return to the God of the Scriptures. Um, I don't know what you have seen, but I have observed as we drive around and go to places, um, little idols are popping up all over. Uh, sometimes it's um, 
it's it's a series of flags that has religious significance or uh, like one place I was by recently it's a it's a giant giant idol in the backyard just giant and little idols all over the place and uh, it concerns me that um, my neighbors are, are going the route of of the pagan gods well there is a great deal of confusion uh, there's not much theological education in the general public at all mm-hmm. in America. Uh, you do get some in the churches, and yet many of the churches have become so, quote, seeker-friendly yes. and playing down theology that we are also losing an understanding of the biblical God even in our churches when we fail to teach mm. uh, the Bible and to talk about these things. You know... Um I'd like to continue for another hour, but I'm looking at the clock and I realize we're out of time already. But you did remind me of one thing, uh, many things, and and that is how important it is to um, protect yourself and have an understanding of the basic Christian creeds and review them or some of the great confessions of the church that have been time-tested. And uh, sometimes you get confused. Maybe as you grow older, you forget some of the simple facts, you know, God is one, and yet he has three persons, things of that nature. Uh, He was fully God and fully man, Jesus. Um, As soon as you start speaking that way, you're actually confessing a creed, and these things are really positive. I I know they've been kind of put down maybe in the recent 40 years or so in in some modern circles, but I would encourage the listeners to to become a little more creedal, a little more confessional, and um, order one of our free... um, catechisms even, the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Train your kids with it. It's a wonderful thing. Well, one, any last thought before we close today? Uh, well, just just uh, to, to dovetail on what you have talked about here, uh, there is an old phrase that I used to see in the mission that I used to work in years ago, no creed but Christ. Uh, that is not a good saying. No, it's not. Uh, it empties Christ of anything, uh, of content, but Jesus was a person who did something for us. Mm. And he is also the second person of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We worship one God, but he subsists in three persons, eternal and equal in power and glory. Mm. And that is the God of the Scriptures. And that means that that God could come into the world and take us up into himself through his grace and his cross. Praise the Lord. Today we have been talking with Dr. John Vance. And dear listener, if you'd like to listen to this broadcast again. It's up on our website. Check us out. We're found at RedeemerBroadcasting.org. This has been A Plain Answer, and thank you for joining us today. May our Lord richly bless you.